the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. There's a man who leads a life of danger. Bob France. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob Press Authority. I'm Khalid Damari in studio with Dan Messina. Dan's still here. I locked the door. He's not going anywhere. Um, whenever you hear that music, ladies and gentlemen, please know that not far is Scott Eulinger, former operations director of the CIA in Central Asia. I think he did 20 years in the CIA. He also ran for Congress in the 9th Congressional District. Uh, in Pennsylvania so met this guy several times see him on the road sometimes interviewed him several times glad to have him here on the Bobfast Authority Scott Eulinger how you doing brother fine man thank you very much for the intro you know I do I do a fair amount of radio and TV but no one has as good an introduction for me as you do That's a great a great Johnny Rivers song one of the best singers and write and songwriters of the 60s man and listen the excitement I hear is genuine because I always love talking with you. Always love hearing your insights. And whenever I bring you on, there's usually something bad happening in Central Asia or Middle East, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's why, uh, my, uh, it's, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of, I've actually been doing a lot of Middle Eastern TV lately, but, and I made a cynical joke six months ago whether I'll be doing a lot of it because as Biden destroys the world, they'll be asking <laughs> me to comment on it. So, you know, uh, Kind of like when I was in the CIA, world instability breeds job security. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you spent 20 years in this region. You were a station chief in well, Central Asia, Moldova, correct? I, I, I was. I was. No, I was actually. I was a state CIA station chief in Moldova. So that's uh, right on the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine border, but it was former Soviet Union. But then I also spent a lot of time in Central Asia. Never in Afghanistan, but always around it. Uzbekistan has a border. Turkmenistan has a border. And Tajikistan, my uh, my real home, my real stopping ground, was right north of um, 
Afghanistan. And in fact, that's the first place that Ghani, the ex-president of um, Afghanistan, and mind you, a Columbia University alumni, escaped with his $167 million. He landed in Dushanbe, where I used to live, so in Tajikistan. Wow. So as you see this collapse in, uh, in Afghanistan, what has been your take on this situation? Did you, you saw this coming, I'm sure. And what is your assessment on how this administration has handled this uh, pullout? The um, you know I was I was in favor of, of withdrawal because you know we just weren't making the kind of uh, progress that we thought you know we weren't creating a bunch of uh, Jeffersonian uh, Republicans over the last twenty years and so it was time to get out. But of course the problem with uh, the Biden administration is that I mean the more you look at it the more I mean I literally shake my head in disbelief the incompetence involved. It, it's like they decided in like it would be like you and I could have planned an evacuation in two days better than this administration has. And it's an absolute disgrace. And worse, it's sending shockwaves through the world um, that are letting our allies know that we are not really to be trusted and letting our enemies know that, okay, it's open season on Americans. You know, like the um, the Chinese were very quick to seize on this. And they were, they were already propagandizing to Taiwan, saying, oh, yeah, America is going to stand by Taiwan the same way they stood by Afghanistan. Ouch. So this is going to be reverberations of this earthquake are going to go through the world and, and, and have no doubt about it. I'm, I'm 56. I remember the Iranian hostage crisis. I remember the 70s pretty vividly. And what I'm saying is this is absolutely the worst foreign policy disaster since I've been born, and I was born in 64. Wow. This is far worse than, like, the fall of Saigon. And, you know, because in the fall of Saigon, we didn't have to worry about the uh, VC uh, then taking the war to us and blowing up our, our stuff. You know, now this is with the Taliban in control. This is uh, much more serious and um, really much more damning, I think, for U.S. foreign policy. So it's it's all extremely alarming, yeah. you know, to me. Yeah. So earlier in the show, I read an article from Epoch Times regarding the number of weapons and uh, military hardware that is now in the hands of the Taliban. Right. It, 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 how horrifying is that for the region? And it's, it, right, it's bad. It, it's a good question. Now, now there were some people already. Uh, there were some people online and stuff, and they're talking about, oh, like they're going to give stuff to the Chinese and the Russians. And bottom line is, that's really a non-issue. I'm not worried about that. You know, um, the, the Russians have the technology of the Humvee. They have the technology of night vision goggles and AR-15. You know, uh, M4s. And so I'm not worried about that. However, you know, uh, they've got like two thousand Humvees. Um, the 30 helicopters, of course, most of the pilots, um, have like ran, uh, you know, defected or, or escaped. So what I'm saying is I think the Taliban is going to have a bunch of hangar queens just sit. They're not really going to be able to use very much the uh, helicopters unless the Chinese want to give them technical help, which they might. But, um, but this is, it's bad and it, 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 it bodes poorly for the way the Taliban are going to control Afghanistan. I think the Taliban are playing it pretty smart right now. They know, at least right now, the words I'm sure has gone from on down on high to don't fool around with the Americans. Just let them get out. They're not going to take American hostages, I don't think, because the bottom line is they want us out. They take American hostages. They're going to really enrage people, and we're not going to leave. But if they just let us go, so they'll avoid incidents with Americans. They'll let us go. Of course, but you know, you got to pity what's going to happen in Afghanistan because everything they're saying about protecting the population is a lie. You know, they've already um, there's lots of 
uh, accounts of veterans who know people over there who are in phone contact still, and, and people are being carried away. They have lists. Um, the Pakistanis, ISI, the Pakistani Intelligence Service, which was a, a, which is a major force that supports the Taliban, despite the fact that Pakistan is a, quote, U.S. ally, um, they, they have been supplying the um, Taliban with information so that the Taliban even when I have to benefit street addresses, because there are no street addresses in Afghanistan. You can't, like, find somebody, like, by their mailbox. It doesn't exist. But yet they know every house, they know every house to go to that has somebody who used to work for Afghan Intel or had a relationship with the CIA or worked the uh, U.S. military as a translator. They know where all these people are. And, okay, they're fairly sophisticated. We shouldn't look down on them. But it's, there's no question that Pakistani ISI is helping them. Wow. This is so troubling because what you have the potential for is you have, I think in Pakistan, there's uh, that uh, warring district or not district, but province. Is it uh, Balochistan or is it uh, was there? Yeah, there's problems in Balochistan, but it's also um, it's in the north. It's on the on the Paki, um, uh, the Paki um, Indian border. It's um, the name escapes me right now. Yeah. But um, but they have but that area in the partition of India and Pakistan. Is it Kashmir? Is you, Kashmir, right? Okay. Exactly, Kashmir district. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's um, right. Exactly. So, um, in fact, that that now that you brought that up, that would be actually a good. I could see the Taliban gifting um, the Pakis, you know, a thousand Humvees or something like that. So I bet you it's something India is uh, very concerned about because yeah, the police. Oh, I'll, I'll take those Humvees off your hands. You can't keep them operating anyway. And um, and then yeah, they can use them in a place like Kashmir, which you know could be a disaster. You know, because Pakistan, despite the fact that it's nuclear weapons and it supports the Taliban, is a poor country. And right now, they're in a real um, economic crisis. So these weapons will come in handy not only for the Taliban but for the Pakistan. So that that you know more instability in the world. You know, India is very concerned about what it sees now with this. As an enemy of uh, India, is an enemy of China, of course, right? They fought. They fought at the top of the world there a year ago. You know, like thirty or forty Indian troops were killed, uh, and in India and China have had a war in like sixty-two and sixty-eight, so, and uh, and that's why the Chinese support the Pakis because that you know the the, the um, enemy of my enemy is my friend. So the Indians are very discon- are very concerned about what they see in Afghanistan too, because they see China making inroads there and Pakistan, and you know the Indians are left out in the cold. Wow! So, so you know there's so many different cultures and and things in the area that are affected by everything else, and people kind of lose perspective on that. You know, every everything affects everything else. So, with regard to U.S. intelligence and Scott Eulinger is our guest, uh, former CIA operations manager in, in Central Asia and, and Moldova. Uh, what do you think the intelligence community's failure was in seeing all? Did you think they assessed the Taliban strength correctly? you think they underestimated it? Because there was a lot of downplaying of, of the Taliban strength by the administration. Right. The, um, you know, I don't have access to the, I don't have access to the, I don't have clearance anymore. But what I'm saying is, looking, you know, trying to read tea leaves and stuff, uh, there definitely were intelligence failures. But but most important, actually, is policy failure. Because what we've already established, and, and, and the CIA should not, and usually does not, make policy. So in other words, um, it's, it's clear at this point that Biden ignored the military advice of his um, of the uh, like the Joint Chiefs of Staff and ignored everybody's messages that there were there were problems. 
because he said, okay, well, we're going to, we're moving the date up, we're leaving by 9 11, et cetera. So he wasn't listening to what the people he pays to provide information. That being said, however, I'm sure there were intelligence mistakes because, um, you know, I was a collector on the ground. So I'm the guy running around at midnight meeting with Iranian missile scientists and getting the information. And then after I get the information, and I was the very pointy end of the spear, there are hordes of analysts who are writing up, who are collating all this information, writing up papers, which are then presented to the president or others in the form of briefing documents. So what I'm saying is that if you have bad leadership at the CIA, which you have had a lot of in the last 10 years, or in the upper management, anything I collect, they just water it down in the print version. You know what I mean? Like, I, I find out this, this, and that, oh, the, the, absolutely, the military's going to collapse because that's what I'm being told by a colonel in the Afghan army. And then they just, and then the bureaucrats and analysts, if they're told, okay, look, this is, um, you need to edit this, then they just water down the document. So in other words, my real intel doesn't really get to the president. The, the raw intel doesn't get there. It's kind of like the policy. You know, it's, it's the document that the bureaucrats are polishing. So there's plenty of room for abuse or, or messed up intel. Uh, and I'm sure that there absolutely was some, but um, it doesn't change the fact that despite you know, bad intel and the fact that the CIA is massively messed up right now, you know, it's the Biden administration that made the decision to get out pell-mell without any kind of a plan, you see? Wow. So, so there is blame to go everywhere. I mean, everyone in the JCS should be fired. Milley should be drummed out of the military. He's an absolute disgrace as somebody who served 28 years in the Navy. You know, um, I, I was 24 years active, 24 reserve. I know about the military. And um, he's uh, these people are an absolute disgrace. War fighting takes a backseat to political correctness. Well, if, you know, war rears its ugly head, we may wind up getting our butts kicked. And then, uh, and, and maybe have a lot of dead American uh, soldiers. So um, I don't want to see that. Wow. So I hope that what's happening, maybe, maybe in some ways, I'll look at the bright side. Maybe a little bit of what's happened in Afghanistan is a good thing because maybe it'll wake up the American people to demand accountability from the military, and maybe the military will tread less light, more lightly on the on the idea of social engineering and actually concentrate on the war fighting skill. So maybe that's a good like. Maybe one good thing that's come out of this. So two minutes left, uh, Scott Eulinger. Uh, tell us, how do you see Afghanistan in, say, three years? Right. The, I think the Taliban, Taliban are going to go a little easy on exporting revolution abroad. You know, they're not going to do that um, as much. They're going to consolidate their grip on Afghanistan. But of course, word's going to be leaking out. They're going to, they already said they're running a sure council. They're not going to have any kind of democracy, of course. So Shocking. it's going to go back to the way it was pre 9 11, um, except they'll have more money because the Chinese are, um, Chinese have an operating copper mine south of Kabul. They are negotiating more mineral rights. So the Taliban will have more cash. And I think later on, maybe a year or two down the line, they won't be able to resist trying to export a little bit of their philosophy abroad. Um, and that goes with al-Qaeda, too. So um, I think that it's a danger, but it's not an imminent danger. Uh, the Russians and Chinese, despite the fact they're friendly with them, are, believe me, they are, I'm sure the Russians are in a panic 
because they Central Asia is their backyard. Where I live in Tajikistan, they consider their backyard. So the, the, the Russians have already sent extra troops into Tajikistan to help help the Tajiks man their border because the Russians are very concerned with Central Asia going up in flames, you know, just like Afghanistan did. And, and like I said, they view that as their backyard. So yeah. people are more on guard. These people, even our, um, not our friends, are, you know, going to be are, are on guard to prevent, you know, this kind of thing from happening, from uh, repeating itself. So that's a good thing. Wow. Well, excellent stuff as always. Scott Eulinger, former uh, CIA uh, operations manager in Asia. He knows this part of the world. I hope to see you on the road very soon again, man. I uh, missed you last right. year on the road. Uh, always love talking with you. And uh, I'm going to have you back next time I'm on the, uh, here at the Bob Festival. Absolutely. Give me a back. call. I'll be, I'll be on any time. We go way back, buddy. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. Okay. Take right. care, man. All right. Bye. Great Scott Eulinger. I love talking to that. I could, I've literally talked to him for an hour at one time in person when we met some several years ago. Um, Colleen Namar, Bob France Authority, in the studio with Dan Messina. I got some calls we're going to get to. Triple eight two eight one eleven ten nine zero one zero nine four five. Please stay on. We'll talk to you on the other side. Stick around. WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Back to the Bar France Authority. I'm Khalid Lamar in the studio with Dan Messina, Ed OG, and the Bulldogs. For those of the 1980s hip hop people, most of them are in the studio too young to remember Ed OG and the Bulldogs. But uh. <laughs> so, Scott Eulinger, love love that guy. Love that guy. I've interviewed him ooh, at least three, at least four times. He's been on this show. He's been on uh, my old show. Uh, Todd Allen show. We, we love this dude. Met him on the road. Uh, I think the last time I saw him, we were in, in Maryland uh, at CPAC. Uh, I think I met him here five years ago at the RNC. So love love talking to him. Uh, 20 years in CIA, Central Asia, knows that part of the world. And uh, so he's my go-to guy whenever something's going on in that part of the world. So thanks, Scott. I hope to see you soon. And, and uh, great stuff. So... Let's go to some calls. We're going to go to Charlie in Westlake. Welcome to the uh, Bio France Authority. Hi, Cody. How you doing? This is Charlie. I called, uh, basically, there's a, I feel there's some suspicion with this. Uh, the, the new leader of Afghanistan happens to be somebody that Obama released from prison. And it was an exchange for this boat. Bergdahl traitor. Yes, Bo Bergdahl. It's so so suspicious that our president, our, our former president, had anything to do 
with who the new leader of Afghanistan is. It's just suspicious to me. What do you think? Well, listen, I think you have a valid point. Uh, there is a lot of, you know, snaky things that go on in these relationships. Uh, we all know that some of the cover of night deals that the Obama administration struck with the Taliban, you know, the passing of the cash. Remember that one in the middle of the night, dumping a bunch of cash on them, uh, the hostage negotiations, all that stuff. I definitely can have a valid point. Um, and, you know, Lord knows that uh, there's a lot of relationships that Obama has that have never really been fully explored, including with uh, Rashid Khalidi, including with uh, some of the people that he's appointed to high positions, people who have helped his career, going back to when he was a community organizer in Chicago. He's got a lot of shady relationships. So, Dan, yeah, you you have a valid point there. Well, you know what, the, Bergdahl, well, with, with the uh, Bergdahl thing, uh, that was a, he had, basically you have a sergeant, and you were trading one sergeant for five basic for, for five generals essentially, yeah. who were leaders. And one of them was, I think, one of them may have been uh, that had, was in the video with um, Daniel Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this was that. I mean, that was a shady deal. I mean, how do you uh, you have a non-com and you're and you're switching it with with actual officers? You know, yeah, five of them, five top guys. But go ahead. Well, I'm saying there, there, there's, that's an excellent point. And, uh, we'll find out probably a few years down the line, like we do with everything else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Tall in Hinkley, Marcy's hometown. How are you doing, Tall? Hello. Hello, Khalifa. You got an excellent show today. You came off the bench and you, uh, you're like the ranger that came in town and <laughs> from the hip. Hey, when Bob calls my number, I leap into action. And anyway, uh, you're not digging a hole. You're actually uh, giving a lot of good information today, and it's really uh, enjoyable. I appreciate um, it. The only thing I wanted to say is the problem we got now with this Biden administration, it, it really started when Obama said, I got a pen and a phone, and I'm going to do what I want. And this is what's happening. We don't have any controls now. Yeah, and, and I, you're right. I feel like we are losing our ability to control our government. It's the other way around. They're controlling us. We're not controlling it. And that's what I feel is the biggest threat to us right now. Um, we have to figure out a way to, 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 to reverse this process. And thank God people like Mark Levin, who has this fantastic book called American Marxism out there, which I just bought, is trying to wake people up to figure out how the government works for us. We don't work for these people. And now they're controlling us. You have the tail wagging the dog and we can't allow that to happen. But I think uh, you're right about that tall. Um, We'll be back for more calls on the other side. I'm in studio with Dan Messina, uh, Khalid Namar, Bob France Authority. We got Jonathan and Marcy in studio helping us out behind the scenes. You want to give us a call, 901-9945, 901-0945, Call us at Bob France Authority. Um, we're having fun. See you on the other side. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority. 
1420. The answer. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bob France Authorium. I'm Colleen Lamar in studio with the White Shadow, Dan Messina. <laughs> you did yourself this time. <clears throat> We just, we just really showed our age, didn't we? Oh, my God. Jonathan in studio knows nothing about this. He's like, what is the White Shadow? I had to, like, explain it to him. I never heard of it before. A great show. It was a, a white basketball coach teaching in the inner city. bunch of black and Puerto Rican kids. Uh, well, yeah. It was a great show. Well, the White Shadow. I grew up watching it. Dan and I, you know, we grew up watching this show. Yes. <laughs> late, late 70s. And... Uh, <laughs> I know third people of, of our age are like cracking up laughing now to hear that music. <laughs> I haven't heard that song. You know what? Probably about 30 years. That's going to be the name. When I get my show, hopefully on this network, <laughs> it'll be Khalid Namar and the White Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just politically incorrect enough to work. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> All right. Let's go to some more calls. We got John in Chardon. How are you, John? Hey, Khalid. Doing good. Um, there's plenty of evidence, both factual and circumstantial, pointing to the last president um, being a fraudulent one. And the Biden administration is the fruit of uh, of a fraud, fraudulent election. This is this is what we get. Well, yeah, I'm going to tell you, if you look at what has happened on the state level, and, and this is what the media does, the media plays with words. So, okay, for instance, Dan, okay, so your house is broken into, right? Uh, they ransack your place, they tear your place up. The media reports on it, and they constantly say, well, you know, nothing was stolen. Nothing was stolen. Well, yeah. nothing was stolen. Well, the bottom line is, yeah, maybe nothing was stolen, but your house was ransacked. So they have people focusing on the wrong issue and the wrong issue in this instance is the election laws that were unconstitutionally done or changed in places like Pennsylvania, for example, due to COVID, they had a lot of uh, backdoor ways to, to manage their elections and they changed the laws and they pretty much admitted this after the election. A lot of the media yeah. helped out with this. Yeah. 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 That's certainly a part of it. Of course. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think, so. John, I think that, uh, you know, what we point to, and then thanks for the call, I think what we point to is what has actually happened legislatively, legislatively to make all this stuff happen. Because you, actually, I won't say legislatively, because it was done by judges, not legislators, which was the constitutional violation in Pennsylvania, for example. The legislator was was usurped in changing these election laws in Pennsylvania. Even federal judge uh, admitted that this case should have been heard by the Supreme Court. So all these people who thought these cases were thrown out on merit, no, they weren't thrown out on merit. They weren't even heard. I don't think the Supreme Court had the stones to actually bring these cases forward. But that's where, so, we, where we are. So much of it has to do with not just the following of the law, which is the idea. We want to follow the law. But the idea is it's political will. You have to have the political will, and I'm sure that a lot of these judges are like, man, I don't want to touch this. Absolutely. I don't want to touch this because of the blowback I'm going to get, the threats I may get from it. And it's very unpopular, I mean, to, to challenge an election like that. You really have to have courage to do it. Courage? 
<laughs> Say what? Courage. Yeah. <laughs> Our political leaders. But uh, we're going to find out in the next three or four years uh, what actually really happened once someone is honest enough to, to, to compile the information and the history as to what actually happened and how the constitutions uh, the Constitution was usurped on multiple levels, particularly in Arizona, um, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and perhaps Nevada. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. The um, a lot of those laws were changed, and they made it really, really easy to vote. So easy that it's it's much a mail-in ballot is is far less secure in terms of uh, uh, things that can happen to it along the way. For voting, the, the most secure way is to vote on election day, because what happens is the the the, the vote that you get. You cast, you get your ballot that day, you cast it, and you put it right into the ballot box, and then it goes straight from there to, to, the, uh, to um, the Board of Elections where it's counted. Now, if you have a mail-in ballot, all kinds of things can happen. I, for instance, I knew somebody that, um, I knew a few people that, that, that talked to me about this, is that like their kids are out of the house and like they divorced their wife or their wife passed away or something, and they got, he got four requests for, um, for for uh, absentee ballots. Now he could have, but he didn't. He could have filled out all four absentee ballot requests, got four ballots, and voted four times, because his kids were out of the house, his wife had passed away, and it was just him. And and one of the things the media didn't do when they talked about this issue, they didn't not clarify the difference between mail-in ballots and absentee ballots. So there's just this confusion. Um, you request an absentee ballot. Correct. Yes, right. You don't request a mail-in ballot. It, it's sent to you, right? Right. And that's even worse because people move all the time. Yeah. I, I, I'm constantly getting mail from five of uh, the previous residents every day. I mean, people move out of state. Uh, people uh, pass away. Uh, people are no longer eligible to vote for whatever reason, or they, they move to a different part of town, which that changes, to, you know, uh, your, it should change the kind of ballot you would get. But they're still, so they just send them out blanket. Now, Ohio doesn't do that, but other states do. Well, Ohio actually tried to clean up our voter rolls, which is federal law. In the voter, motor voter law, which is the National Voter Registration Act, there's a, there's a section, I believe section 8, which says that states should make a reasonable attempt to purge their voter rolls of people who've passed away, people who've moved. It's federal law. And when Ohio tried to do this, they were sued by the administration for trying to comply with federal law. And they weren't the only state. I think Florida, uh, they tried to sue Florida and I believe Arizona at one time as well. So they call it voter purging. Well, guess what? Yes, it's legal. People pass away. People move. And these people are still voting. And it just came out in Georgia that people were voting in the counties that they previously moved from, which was against Georgia law. But that came out after the election. So no. all of these things are true. But guess what? The information is kind of all over the place. The disinformation is out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you hear this, it's all caught under the umbrella of voter fraud. Voter fraud. No, it's not voter fraud. It's voter irregularities and illegality. That's the proper term. And so the media plays with, with language all the time. Let, let's go to another call. Let's go to Tom and Medina. Huh? Tom, Hello. you're on. Uh, I, um, well, I, I, you're doing a really good job. I, I don't know how they need to work you in there full time somehow. <laughs> Thank you for from your looks to from from your lips to the station's ears. <laughs> yeah, well, 
you you provide a lot of good information today. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thanks for calling. Okay. I want to mention I want to mention I want to mention something about Mark Levin. Yes. The last thing and and I want to say something about do you know Larry Elder? I've met him. The guy who, Okay, well uh how about you know that recall election that he's involved in. Yes, in California. Uh-huh. Do, do you do you know, do you follow Jovan Hutton Pulitzer at all? The guy that's leading the Maricopa audit. Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. I I not familiar. We have about okay, we have about two well, minutes. Okay, go to his Facebook page and he talks about the recall election and what they're trying to do to steal the election from Larry Elder with those mail in. Uh, California's that's a all mail in I don't know if it's a mail in ballot thing I guess and and when you the people send their ballots and they fold them they fold the ballot into the envelope it puts a crease through Larry Elder's name and that the machine will kick those out and so Pulitzer <laughs> Jovan Hutton Pulitzer on Facebook he he has a video explaining how they're trying to steal that election from Larry Elder with the ballot yeah I have to look that up but I, I really really doubt what you're saying is true I don't think Democrats would ever do anything like that uh anyway let's go let's go to TJ in Cleveland <laughs> TJ yeah hi Cleveland you know last night I'm listening to Tucker Carlson and he uh said that the medical industry now is going to refuse organ transplants to people that have not been vaccinated. Wow. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, because I choose not to be vaccinated, you're going to withhold a life-saving transplant? Well, you know, Cleek, how I would fight back on this, I don't know how many, 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 many thousands of people unvaccinated are probably organ donors. So I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm not good enough to receive an organ because I'm not vaccinated, I'm surely not good enough to donate an organ either. <laughs> uh, I, I'm serious. People should take their uh, cards out of their wallets and their purses and rip them up now and tell these people, screw you. You know, if, if you're going to make this uh, a premise, you know, for organ transplants, well, I'm not giving you one either. And see how long that lasts, because there's already an organ shortage, you know, in the medical industry. Absolutely. Amen I mean, it's scary what these people are doing. But you got to fight back, and sometimes you have to do drastic things to fight back. Now, I tell you, I am not an organ donor, but if I were, the card would have been ripped up last night. Absolutely. Great point, TJ. Wow. Yeah, these people are, are evil. And, I, and what's silly to me is that uh, a COVID, negative COVID test and vaccination, you can still get COVID with vaccinations. However, a negative test seems to be more effective than a vaccination, right? Anyway, um, this has been fun. We're coming back on the other side. We've got another segment, probably the final segment. And I'm in studio with Dan Messina, Khalid Namar. I'm in for Bob France. I love sitting in this chair, having a great time here. Uh, we want to give us a call, 888-281-1110-901-0945. Final segment coming up on the Bob Fast Authority. Stick around.
Welcome back to the final segment of the Bob France Authority. I'm having, <clears throat> having a blast today. Um, and and there's a little secret. I usually prepare pretty well for, you know, my uh, fill-ins here. And I kind of didn't prepare as I normally do. However, I found out that um, it worked, you know. <laughs> amazingly. Somehow. Yeah, amazingly it worked. <laughs> I booked Scott right away and Scott Eulinger from CIA, who was our, our guest today. And then, of course, I always have you right there when I need you all the time, which is great. And then the rest, we kind of we just winged it and uh, it kind of worked. Had a good time. Kind of like jazz music, you know, <laughs> a little improv. <laughs> Again, fun today. Uh, thank you for for hanging out with me today. And we had a lot of great calls today. Phone lines were lit up, so I guess that's what, what Bob wants. I always want to do this seat justice when I sit here. And again, we got a great uh, crew in there with Marcy and Jonathan on the uh, on the on the wheels of steel and the telephones in there. So thank you guys. Always have a blast. So <clears throat> we've talked about a lot of things today, particularly on the issue of government overreach, liberty, and separation of powers. How important is it right now for people to understand? Because this is what we do. We go out, we talk to people about liberty and what the government actually. Is, is not supposed to do what the Constitution is and what it isn't. So why don't you just give people an idea of how important this is and how dangerous this is if we don't rein in this federal government. Uh, well, tyranny is a natural consequence of governments. Governments tend towards tyranny. It's historically true. It happened in, in even a lot of the great republics like uh, uh, the Roman Empire, for instance, it eventually turned into an em- it, it t- changed from a, Repu- a Roman Republic to a to an empire, and that's because they had uh, the citizens were very active. They were politically active. Um, now they had some problems, and the and the and the Roman Republic was actually very kind of complicated. But the the idea was that they had separated the powers among the different municipalities and among the different magistrates and and whatnot and. Um, different councils and whatever but um it, but that's what made it work there was a kind of a competition with all those powers because there was a separation now uh what we see today is that a lot of that power is getting consolidated once again it's it's one of this this human impulse that we seem to have we seem to be making the same mistakes over and over again now we've we've sort of remedied maybe some of this but it's but it's once again it's consolidated you have with the lack of separation of powers that means the people in dc are making decisions that are on a very local level like like we had the one caller back with uh, uh, who was managing properties yes charlie yes. yes with charlie he can't make the decisions but how in the heck does Washington know what's going on in Cleveland, Ohio? That's the real problem. Yeah. And it's a blatant violation of property rights. You know? It's fundamental. It's fundamental. Because it's based on the concept of consent. Correct. And, and, and our, our republic is set up in such a way that we have to have enough consent in it. We have to have enough people that's going to go in, the, in a certain direction before we do anything. So, it, so it's a slow process. But it's based on the idea that we're getting enough people together to say, hey, we're going to move in this direction, as opposed to a few people uh, making all the decisions for us. Yeah, and I think right, you, the consolidation of power. So, for instance, there are people out there who, who, who use the Constitution as a cudgel. 
In other words, they throw it around when it's convenient. Um, and this may shock some people. There's some, there's a few people out there I respect because I think they're honest, not because I necessarily agree with them. Like Dennis Kucinich, I mean, he's a nice man, I'm sure. Um, but he's a bit of a, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he basically has hammer and sickle bed sheets, I'm sure. But he's, you know, nice, 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 he's a very nice communist. But he's honest, at least, because he's been consistent with no matter what administration is in when he talks about the Constitution. He hands out, I'm just kidding about the hammer and sickle stuff. But, you know, he's not a communist. But he, he hands out constitutions, pocket constitutions a lot. He's done it over the years. He's been consistent no matter what the administration has been. And I respect that because he's not a partisan in that aspect. If he felt Obama was doing something, he actually led his name was on a lawsuit suing the Obama administration for intervening in Libya unconstitutionally. Right. Mm -hmm. His name was on that lawsuit. I have a copy of the lawsuit. I respect that. I respect him. Also, he criticized the Bush administration. I respect that as well because he's honest. However, uh, I don't respect people who are not honest and they use this you know, the, the Constitution when it's convenient to talk about. And right now you have administration that, you know, has is returning uh, uh, Afghanistan into this lawless land, you know, ruled by thugs and, and warlords, you know, kind of like kind of like Youngstown. Anyway, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> love, love. Youngstown. <laughs> but anyway, I know I can never go back there again. Um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I, it, this is this has been a mess. But I am I'm optimistic. We'll get out there. We'll keep fighting. We we got some stuff coming up. We'll be talking about in the future. Um, I am so grateful to have this platform. Thanks to Bob France for giving me this platform. Uh, those of you who haven't heard haven't heard me before, I'm Khalid Namar. Um, I'll be popping up every now and then. And thanks again to Marcy and Jonathan in the studio with us. Thanks to you, my brother, Dan Messina, for always being there when I need you. Thank thanks you to our guest today, in. Scott Ulinger, for showing up. And uh, thanks to all of you who are listening. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. And I will definitely uh, be with you all again soon. God bless. Take care. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 